everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. Delighted on this episode to be talking with author, creator, Rich Moyer. Rich, thank you for jumping in, and thank you for talking with me. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, I know that you are a person who has a history with the medium. We've actually uh, already sort of begun talking about our history with, it looks like you have a spinner rack in front of you. Actually. I do. It's pretty dark in here. Um, gets dark really quick now, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. Uh, comics, and I live in a like a 14 year old's dream, uh, dream office here. Love it. I love it. So it's fun stuff. It's it's my jam. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so I'll mention Ham Helsing here, and we'll we'll come back around to that. But uh, curious about your history with comics and the moment that you said, this is the thing that I want to do. You know, I was, I was that weird kid. I, I never really got picked on, but I was that weird kid that had the, this patchy oversized jacket in the seventies. And I had rolled up mad magazine under my armpit, wherever <laughs> I went. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, that was like my, bible or whatever you know uh i would just carry that around and and it was very accessible because it was right after mad's popularity kind of talked a little bit you know it was probably bigger maybe early 70s 60s you know and then by the time i got around to it i could get them and they were you know tradable findable Mm -hmm. um and I wanted to be one of the Mads gang of idiots. I thought that would have been super cool. <laughs> so I thought that would have been a dream job is to like come up with gags, do visual storytelling, um, that sort of thing. I just, I love people like Serge Aragonis and Don Martin and Jack Davis and Dave Berg and, and Al Jaffe. All these guys are like bit larger than life. And the fact that you could name them all, um, that they all contributed to this thing, but they all had dedicated pages to themselves was super appealing. And I, I didn't really know how to achieve that. I of course, like really liked the Sunday comics, um, you know, all the, all the regulars that people like Bloom County and Farside and, and Calvin and Hobbes and all those things were daily reading material too. And, um, getting there was was the thing that I wasn't sure about so I I mentored my my mom was smart enough to get a mentorship with a local sports cartoonist in Denver and and also the political cartoonist here in town it our paper had both a sports cartoonist and a political cartoonist I was able to talk to these guys and it felt like a it didn't feel easy but it felt like a real there's a real pathway Uh you know you Put a portfolio together and submitted to a syndicate and there's only four or five that were credible or that could reach the masses um and they'd send you a rejection letter and there, there was a process right it wasn't just magic so um that's um that's kind of where i first aimed my myself at is being a syndicated cartoonist after college it, i i did a strip in college and a political cartoon in college but and that was kind of like a free training ground because uh-huh. they're really uh, they want to publicize and 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 publish student work. So you can you can be terrible to start with. You know, you can try it out. You can 
you know, I, I had funny comics and then some were bad and some were great and some were awful. And, you know, just go back and forth as a process of kind of finding how to tell a story the way that feels real to you, you know, uh-huh. or, or authentic to how you, how you're going to tell stories, you know, like a one panel gag comic is so much different than a four panel, like Bloom County comic. Right. Yeah. And the, the ability to do one versus the other are completely feel completely different, like a whole new skill. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what got me started. I, I, I did that. Um, and in college and then i i had my sights set on that and i couldn't see anything else so i just got a job i didn't have to take home with me and (laughs) and i just submitted and got rejected and submitted and then uh the local paper was looking for a a talented local cartoonist another one Uh to do a strip cartoon and so i submitted for that and and the rocky mountain news published me was my first newspaper and that helped you know, build a deadline into my life. Yeah. And so I'd really get, you know, practice doing it daily. Um, And uh, that helped, that helped immensely um, on on the road to being syndicated because I think it took me like, once they picked me up, it took um, six months to get a syndication deal, which Mm -hmm. was a pretty fast tracked way to get a contract. Yeah, yeah. So, so what was it like to sort of dream of that world of syndication and then get to land there and and step into those shoes? It was it was surreal. I I I did a gag a day comic, kind of like the Far Side, but in strip form because there was more places for that kind of content. So I I I did what I could, what felt more natural for me at the time to write to, which is a, a one panel thing. But there was less one panel spaces on the newspaper. They're along the sides. And so I did it in strip format. So I'd have more ability to get in newspapers. But yeah, doing it daily was, you know, you had your days to yourself. Um, I had to moonlight a little bit because it, you know, wasn't making me rich very quick. But um, I'd go to National Cartoonist Society conventions once a year. And so you got to meet all your heroes. And that the first time I went to one of those, I was... I was super green and <laughs> shy and like, you know, you're stuck in the elevator with uh, Charles Schultz or somebody, you know? <laughs> so yeah. it's like, it's, it's the ultimate of like, I'm not worthy, you know, feeling um, yeah. that, that you can get, but it was, it was cool. I mean, all those guys are like super nice, not competitive, not like feeling like you're going to take their job or anything like that. Um, everybody was, there to lend a hand or some advice. Nice. Yeah. nice. So it, was, it was cool. I'm picturing trying to come up with small talk with Charles Schultz in an elevator. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Right? And not gush. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I talked to him, you know, about a year before he died huh. at one of the conventions and, and nobody knew he was sick at the time um, or at least publicly they didn't know. Um, and he was just like, Hey, nice tux. You know, he's really there for a black tie thing. I'm like, Oh, thanks. And I was, I didn't even know where to start the conversation because he's got so much history that doesn't involve me at all. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> you know, besides reading his comic and, and, you know, knowing, you know, his impact 
on on everybody you know so yeah but he was super nice and and cordial and you know we just it was super small talky because i you know I, I couldn't pivot to something more interesting that you know in like you know two minutes three minutes or something but no i, I met some really fabulous people at that organization and and it really felt like they were uh we were kind of born from the same mother and all like if you have this feeling like somebody had a bunch of babies and then they put them all up for adoption all around the world and then they all got together once a year that's what it felt like it's like everybody with this juvenile sense of humor and they're there just to be goofy and silly and um not take things too seriously and very kind-hearted and just really felt like there was a lot of um camaraderie right off the bat it was re really great love it love it and, and great metaphor there i love that um so speaking of the sort of the juvenile sense of humor i'm i'm a former middle school teacher i teach high school now and a top college in between and noticed that there's a lot of similarities actually among those age groups um i'm curious about what it's like to write in sort of that middle grades or young reader space because the first time I came across Ham Helsing was through the Excellence in Graphic Literature Award in the middle grades category. Um, so I know there's some nice flexibility around that as far as who can read it and enjoy it, but just curious about your approach. Um, my approach is to uh, write for yourself mm -hmm. more, you know, than you're writing, like writing down to, to an audience or writing down to a kid is a dangerous place to be right like to guess where they're gonna so what i do is i, I write what i think is fun and funny and i try not to you know murder somebody every three pages but like other than that you know there's there's they're way smarter than you know editors give them credit for even you know so oh, yeah. i think i think that's what editors are for is to kind of reel me back but to like miss or to go under seems like tragic, right? Because it's really hard to go, oh, go older, you know, go older with your script. And then you're stuck because you wrote it that way. But if they say reel it back a little bit, it's a way easier process to pull a joke or to, you know, telegraph something a little differently. You know what I mean? So my, my thought is I'm trying to please myself and maybe I just write like a, 14 year old or 12 year old <laughs> but like you know I I I wrote Ham Helsing just trying to be a little bit irre irreverent to you know the process I mean it's it's really weird it's a process of caring a lot and then not caring at all uh -huh. um, you know like not not holding anything too precious or too valuable or to tiptoe through the process, but you've got to take risks and, and be bold yeah. for it to feel authentic anyway. Um, and you've got to be vulnerable as a writer and illustrator too, um, because the kids can see that, right? Like if you're not into it and you're trying to write, uh, we, I had a conversation with another creator just today about somebody that we felt like was writing to be Dave Pelkey, you know, he uh, mm -hmm. really wanted to write to be dog man or, captain underpants and you know that it, there's just a feeling of not being authentic to it if you mm -hmm. if you go after a particular way somebody's doing it um 
or a particular guy because he's selling a lot of books, right? Yeah. You yeah. just, you know, it, it's really tempting, right? But it's something that you can really land on your face if that's not you. You know, Dave Pelkey is, or Dave or Dave, I'm, I, I, let's call him Dave right now. <laughs> We're not on first name basis anyway. But um, yeah, I mean, that's obviously naturally him, right? So, uh-huh. yeah. um, so I'm just trying, you know, I'm just trying my best to be the authentic me in this, in this little world. Um, yeah. and of course I've got a girl in middle school right now, so that helps a lot. And then my youngest, she's in fourth grade. And so I, and, and much more of a dog man sort of girl. Um, <laughs> Love it. So yeah. I'm getting a taste of, of, of it all and and just it's it's really interesting if i was gonna point my material towards an audience i guess i use my kids as an example a little bit uh-huh. just on how powerful representation is you know on either being female or whatever they're going through feeling authentic but then i've got to translate it to something that i could truly relate to my own experience at that age um yeah. You know, I, I want to write a book about middle grade um, that I'm about halfway through a script on on that one. And that one is, you know, I'm pulling a little bit of reference from what she's going through and a lot of like what I remember, you know, because it's got to feel, it's got to feel a little bit like, even, even if it's jokey, it's got to feel real, right? So... Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and I, I was going to ask about some of the interactions you've had with young readers if there's a particular experience you've had that's been surprising or humorous or uh sort of unexpected in a way you know i uh we had um foreign rights to our book and so we sold it to scholastic australia mm-hmm. and there's my my first super fan is on Australia and he's like dresses up in Han Helsing gear for Halloween and all this stuff. It's, it's like the coolest thing. And his birthday, he wanted Han Helsing cakes for his birthday. Oh, and like he's that. made Ham Helsing like a part of his life because um, I wasn't actually trying to write it this way, but it ended up being a great book for reluctant readers uh-huh, because uh-huh. it's so, it reads a lot like a, storyboard for a movie or a, or an animated series right so because i have an animation background as well i i i wrote it kind of i storyboarded it like i would want to see it on on film uh-huh. so i think that translates to making it an easy read you know yeah yeah and it's and it's very it's very page turning all my all my stuff was very page turning even when i started pitching things that were like um, board books or or uh, picture books you know they're almost two page turning in a 32 page process to land something that that felt in that area to land a, a book deal that's 32 pages was, was hard for how I was doing it because kids would be done with it before they were you know before five minutes was up uh-huh. you know so to have 240 pages I could kind of you know, give it a lot of breathing room and pace the jokes for the jokes and not, and not just stack dialogue. Uh-huh. If that makes any sense. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of the books that I love, I mean, some of them have wordless are wordless, you know, are just 
an adventure that you can decipher through through the pictures themselves love it yeah yeah i'm also a fan of the wordless comic and uh love how you start a story with ham helsing and i think it's three volumes at this point is that right yeah um so you get to carry it out and sort of let it span across multiple books yeah um we had an auction for the book and there was a lot of excitement this was like right before the pandemic hit so i was i was either cursed or lucky i can't i can't decide which one it was because we launched in the middle of a pandemic which took away a lot of our sales opportunities uh-huh. and a lot of our promotion opportunities um <clears throat> but we also were able to get it before people's budgets were tightened or or they didn't would probably <clears throat> in the middle of a the pandemic they i don't I don't know if they stopped, you know, doing it. They probably didn't know how they were going to promote and had to kind of regroup. Mm-hmm. So there would have been a big pause anyway. But there was, I think, four or five publishers. But two of them were Penguin Random House um, affiliates or or groups. So they couldn't, if they ended up being the last two people bidding, they couldn't actually compete with each other. Oh, um, funny. But it, it got me a decent amount up front so i could you know i could take the time to do it um i i, I lost track of your initial question can you oh i was just saying that it's uh, it was more of a comment really it was just uh about how the the books kind of take place oh. over a span of time and yeah, that's great yeah. for young readers too yeah yeah because of the because of the auction i was able to work a, a three book deal right off the get-go nice. so um what you know sales didn't have to be there they were kind of contractually bound to to keep chugging along which was <laughs> which is great because it gets you a place where you can develop it more i mean i i think um these books sometimes they take four or five six books to really get enough momentum you know to really then be chugging downhill um i talked to kazu the guy that does amulet yes yeah uh-huh. he's telling me um it sounds very name droppy, but um, I was fortunate enough to, t- he was gracious to talk to me. I, we're not in the same league. He's, he sold a lot of books, but um, he was telling me all sorts of great advice about, you know, put an equal time promotion as you do actually making the book. Uh-huh. And it, it said something like it took him till several books in before he started seeing money come back. So, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember which book, how many books he said, but it was something like four or five, you know, he's on book nine now, but it took, mm-hmm. it took, excuse me, quite a bit of books to, for it to then reach this, you know, the top of the mountain where then it's rolling downhill again mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. promotion and being seen and people talking about it and it building a big enough mythology that, you know, and it may be taking them enough shelf space that kids can see it from afar too. I mean, there's yeah. that, you know. True, true. Not something that, that I always necessarily think about immediately, but I'm sure that makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's it's a it's a process. And right now we've, I, I don't know if this is going to work out or not, but uh, Nickelodeon um, wants to do a, a show maybe. Um, we've got a contract in hand but um awesome. they're working out the details and but that could go sideways too but I, i'm i'm hoping it works out just just for the sake if, if anything to promote the books 
So yeah, yeah. Well, I was just going to ask as a as a final question, what is next and what's happening? So that sounds like a possibility and a wonderful yeah. one. Yeah, I've got that's on the horizon. We can't get them to our two lawyers to talk to just wrap this thing up <laughs> because <laughs> it, it feels like two hours away if two lawyers would talk to each other. Um, so that that's there, and I'm working hard on a tabletop game with Ham Helsing, Wonderful. and I'm, I'm I'm working with Fireside Games. They do a game called Castle Panic, um, and the guy and his wife, he's they're super great people. And uh, Justin, he's he's working it out like he's making a, a movie for Hollywood. He's he's the coolest guy, and he's like talking like, "Oh, we've got to stay true to the um, what do they call it? Uh, canon." <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed out loud when he's saying, you know, that he's got to be true to the canon of the thing I made up, you know, <laughs> right. out of my butt. So, but it, it's it's great. He's 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 made a game that's like a cooperative game, kind of like how the books are. Mm -hmm. And uh, so now we're testing and making parts and I, I'm illustrated a cartoon map and we're making pieces and cards and he's going to different places with people that do tabletop games and they test it. They spend all this time testing and redoing wow. things. And um, I'm pretty much trying to be unopinionated about gameplay and just, you know, um, offer my hand as an art, art guy and creative guy, mm -hmm. but it's, it's super cool. I mean, I shouldn't say this out loud, but I, I would do it for nothing if it came down <laughs> to it. <laughs> I hope he's not listening to that, but, um, we'll edit that part out. We'll yeah. Yeah. Part. <laughs> yeah. A train whistle or something. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I, I just signed a, uh, or I'm about to sign a, a book deal with, um, Union Square, which is owned or a part of uh, oh, the big book chain, um, Barnes and Noble. Mm -hmm. So nice. they're they're owned by them, but they're separate entities that um, work independently. So they don't, you're not guaranteed you'll be on their shelf. They they're mm -hmm. independent, but they're gonna pick up a book of mine that I just sold um, called Huck and Hairball and the Litter Box Time Machine. Love so that. so it's like a, a time travel science fiction for middle grade boys mm -hmm. and i i'm big i'm a big sci-fi geek so i would i thought if i can somehow do time travel and science fiction in a way that's accessible mm -hmm. to kids i thought that'd be like the greatest fun challenge um so it's like a buddy comedy between a cat and his hairball oh um, love it love it i love the creativity um, yeah, well, well, it sounds like much to come and exciting uh, storytelling and creating across types of stories. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited to tell all sorts of stories. I've got several scripts behind that one that that I'd like to bring to life. And um, it's it's too fun of a playground to play in if I can figure out how to juggle everything. So, yeah, nice. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, well, delighted to share about your work. Thank you so much for the time and Absolutely. looking forward to the things that are to come. Thank you so much for having me. Okay.